It's me, Leia, and welcome or welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in here in the Valentine's Day special of Ponder Rover. Hey guys, how is everybody doing? How are we feeling today? How's your Valentine's Day? I hope you're celebrating today with your friends, family, partner, or people you love and care about in general. This Valentine's Day special is really, really short since it's a special lot. <laughs> Guys, this is really going to be quick, so stay there. And yeah, so make sure you listen to this juicy episode, whether you're driving to your work or doing errands, cleaning the house, or you just basically want to listen. That is fine. Don't forget to follow my podcast, and if you'd like, you can answer the podcast Q&A. So yeah, thank you again. Anyway, let's dive into the topics and questions handed over today. I went over Instagram and asked my close friends for questions or topics that they'd like me to answer in this episode. So number one. Wow, number one! Kala mo questionnaire. Anyway, first, help. I'm always drawn to unrequited love unrequited love that's tragic um same the man <laughs> joke but i'd really want to say i'm not but like sometimes one-sided love is better than having to commit <laughs> i don't know because with one-sided love you get killing and it's more thrilling but it's also sad and very hurtful because how on earth will you ever get a chance to have a great relationship with somebody? I guess it's because we're always just preoccupied and busy with the suffering of unrequited love instead of enjoying, enjoying the freedom of being single, young, capable, and unattached. For me, most unrequited love is built on incredible high expectations from that person. Albeit, or to be frank, an unattainable person. Love and intimacy is about being seen and heard for all you are, while also seeing and hearing someone for all they are. These fixations, I guess, on other people and unrequited love in general is really time, time and energy consuming. It's a monopoly on your mind. This is fine if that's what you want, but trust me, this is self-exhaustion to the core. When I was around 18, 19, or 17, I don't know, maybe 18, let's just go with 18, I had this huge crush on someone and formed this attachment to someone unreachable. It was kind of wrong in many ways, but mostly because I was avoiding reality and 
that reality is that this person doesn't, for the love of the world, feels the same way as I do. One thing I can say that got me over it was to enjoy the drama, the intensity, the obsession, until one day, I tired myself out. I finally had my last straw. It's not that we are not capable of having a good relationship. It's just that we have to get out of our head to finally meet someone great. Next, falling in love easily with anyone I meet. I feel the same way. Sometimes, especially when a person is nice to me, I already develop a crush. Like one time, I didn't have an umbrella on my way to the bus stop. And some guy shared his umbrella with me. Like, bro, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Oh damn, I think I developed crushes on baristas before. And even now, naman. <laughs> Just about anyone nice and gives me a tiny bit of attention. I already flash imaginations in my head. So my friend, you and I, we are both masters of imagined architectures and painters of the next masterpieces. Anyway, I feel like we need to write stories or songs about this imagined world. And who knows, we might make the next best love story or the next best breakup anthem. But yes, the sad part is, and the truth is, these paintings of pink and blue skies shouldn't be better or become more important than reality. The paintings of our real day-to-day -day life should be more meaningful than a heart attack from some random nice guy. It's gonna be a problem if we place our day's projection and our day's mood on the hands of someone else. So what you and I can do, probably, if that's what we like to do, um, we can, you know, do a creative project, take a new course, learn a new skill, Join a dating app. Although I don't suggest going on an app. I meant actively try to meet new people or go on a trip. You're bound to meet more people and go easy with the feelings and love. I'm not invalidating though what you're feeling. But at the end of the day, from the book The Perks of Being a Wallflower, we accept the love we think we deserve. And darling, you deserve more than just a shared umbrella on the way to the bus stop. A cute guy on the train, or those little attention from boys, or when your hands brushed against the hands of a barista at the counter. As much as I advocate for doing things for the plot, that's not stay in our heads and in our imaginations. We just might miss the person meant for us with all the time spent in our own fantasy. Ooh, this one's really hard. Thoughts on affairs or cheating in general? Oh my god, juicy! Shut up. 
I suggest you guys watch Conversations with Friends. I always speak about it. It's a book written by Sally Rooney, which eventually became a series. And I absolutely, hands down, love that book and watch the entire series. I think this is the book where Taylor Swift has drawn inspiration from when she wrote Illicit Affairs. I'm not sure, but it's sort of like that. So it tells the story of a college student named Frances and her affair with an older married actor. The book emphasizes the ways in which complex, very complex interpersonal relationships, like they brushed on polyamory, and this helped people to develop their individuality and form their political identities. I'm not glorifying or masking the horrible, horrible effects of cheating. However, it's true. But it's true that you will be developed after the incidents, whether you're the cheater or you're the one being cheated on. I think it's one of my favorite shows because at the time I was watching the series, I was in a healing stage after being cheated on and lied to. However, the show changed the way I view affairs and cheating. Though there was a time when I was young and kind of stupid, I was very judgmental of those people who cheat. Cheaters are evil people. Like their personal canvas or soul to me was pitch black. Having an affair, honestly, is a double-edged sword. And it hurts everyone involved, like children, families, and friends. But mostly, yourself. Guys, don't come for me. But I'm not saying that cheaters don't deserve any empathy. But again, to me, just to me, everyone's capable of being unfaithful. Like when you listen to cheaters, they'll say, Oh, I'm very faithful. I love my partner to death. But until it happened. Until they actually cheated. Cheating always leaves a great deal of pain to your partner. A lot of shame and guilt will come after you. Trust me, guilt will always be there. But yeah, life's unfair. Once we get older, we'll know that sometimes we meet people while in a relationship who will love us far greater. You only have one life. But that doesn't mean you should act carelessly without regard for other people's feelings. High infidelity, like Taylor Swift's song, isn't just about having problems in their relationship that's causing cheating. It also means that further down into the relationship line, you're bound to break up, which normally isn't just caused by cheating. But to put it in simpler terms, cheating and like intimacy or sex while in a monogamous relationship is not a good thing. It's not a great behavior. Promised fidelity, again, is such a huge thing. It's sacred. That there will always be consequences once this has been broken. Well, along the lyrics of high infidelity, are 
There's many ways you can kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving them enough. And do I really have to tell you how he brought me back to life? It still reminds me of conversations with friends. Because the guy who cheated was happier out of his depression and more lively because of his affair. It hurts because the series shows that sometimes we can't be with people we really love. It's such a pity that someone who loves us can't be a person we can be with. Or someone who is with us isn't the one we love. So yeah, it's funny. Life's complex. Breaking up before actually giving your time to someone else is also, in a sense, cheating. Because you have a prospective person already. To me, my advice is, don't just settle for affection or hidden love that is half-molded because that will just lead to feeling worthless. Do your inner work and heal your inner child. Anyway, I'm not a professional, so yeah, that's all I have to say for this. Don't be a bitch. Control yourself, control your feelings, and landi wisely. Next, nice guys or bad boys? (laughs) The thing is, for me, we shouldn't, we shouldn't put men or women into a binary of either a nice guy or a bad guy. Because more often than not, there's no just a nice guy or just a bad guy. They somehow have little bits of the other, like a yin-yang. You know, the soft guys, the nice guys, they're the worst. They'll take you out to museums, take you to church validate your feelings, carry your groceries for you, listen when you talk about your signs, give you a shoulder to cry on, etc, etc. And then, fucking ghost you. Then they fucking ghost you. (laughs) Not from experience, by the way. But when it comes to choosing, go with your gut or intuition. It's far more powerful than what you think. It's also more natural and organic if you have more similarities and have the same expectations for each other. So, top dating advice. I think I heard this somewhere, somehow. But don't saturate yourselves with each other at the beginning. In the early stages of dating, try not to text or call every day or see each other too often. But that depends on your dynamic. Most anxious attachment styles tend to communicate way more often than other attachment styles. It also depends on how clingy the both of you are. But to me, slow burn attraction works better. Try to really not rush things. Because you barely know the person. That's why you date them. So you get to know them if they're really compatible with you. A good analogy is matchsticks versus bonfire. Matchsticks, there may be a spark in the beginning, but it burns too fast. Versus a bonfire, which, by the way, is really hard to prepare and light up, but it has more longevity and burns brighter. Slow burn attraction is good, because if you guys are super intense from day one, it's going to be hard to keep up. Ooh, the old but gold question, mahal ko or mahal ako? Would I rather be with someone I love or someone who loves me? My simple answer to this question is, Mahal ko. Or somebody I love. 
I don't want to go around in circles trying to like someone when I really don't. And it's sometimes just out of pity or guilt that this person is doing so much for me. But who am I kidding but myself? I don't want to put myself in situations that don't serve me anymore. Ooh, but in another sense, I also don't want to not try to fit in. I also don't want to try to fit myself into someone's world. But it's better to have tried to pursue someone. Someone I love. Than having not tried at all and missed chances. Thoughts on right person but wrong time. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, sorry. Well, speaking from experience. Wow! Experience. It's true. Charot. Joke. But you know, wrong time feels like a constructed restriction of oneself. I've been this person where I'd say, I can't be with someone because of wrong timing. It's frustrating, I know, but it's not always inherently true. Wow, philosophy, my premises. We don't have a calendar for relationships. No one gets to dictate us on whether we should stay single for X amount of months, years, then be in a relationship in X months or years. We are in charge of our own decisions. We are in charge when it comes to relationships. I think we're too busy thinking of there being a perfect time. That we forget that we get to choose the path of our own lives. A lot of people, including me, associate freedom with being single. Like when we're too focused on building our own career, that's why we shy away from love. And to be honest, I am one of these people. But for others... They credit their success on being in a serious relationship. To be fair, they didn't have to worry about dating because their significant other gave them a boost and or helped them become better versions of themselves. They both improve each other. I might get burned for this, but I think it's crazy to put pressure on ourselves to find someone at the right place, at the right time, or to commit to someone at the right time time until we die. If we view love this way, no one's ever going to commit to anyone because it's scary. If they arrived at the wrong time, then we will think that them being the right person is incorrect. Do you get me? Or am I just... So yeah, if it's the wrong time, then they probably weren't the right fit for us. Maybe we'll meet again after five months or five years and feel the time is right. Then that's good. But there is no precise moment in life. There is no definite time to tell if you're going to be together forever. But ask yourself, is it worth to having to try to be with someone great or not having to try at all? I get you. I'm anxious about my future and my career and all that jazz. But I could also find peace and love in a relationship while working on my career. My favorite Singer-songwriter Aurora said in her song, Daydreamer, All I ever know is what I dream about when I'm sober. Never turn away from love before the love you have is over. Nothing can die while we are here. Oh my god, that song is so good. I love Daydreamer. You should listen to it. Anyway, so the main point here is 
Enjoy love. Enjoy being in love, however long it may last. Can you learn to love someone? A lot. A lot of people will disagree with me. But from my perspective and experience, no. You can't learn to love someone, even if they're a good friend of yours, but whom you really have no attraction to. I think love starts with some sort of attraction. Or like, you guys are magnets, there's magnetism. And you can't create that if it's not there. If you've never felt a connection beyond the platonic love, I don't think it will happen. This is different from the slow burn attraction. There was a zing. Like, you know, from Hotel Transylvania? It's not necessarily love at first sight. But there was something you found in them that you like and can't get enough of. Speaking of love at first sight, I used to believe in this when I was a lot younger. But then, I grew up, became more mindful, more mature, and cautious. That stories like love at first sight becomes less and less. Less and less to happen and hard to even believe in. However, it's also true that sometimes love at first sight can happen with somebody you already know. That's the aha moment. Like when you look at them, you suddenly realize, Oh, oh, I'm falling in love. Like the song Labyrinth by Taylor Swift. Again, why am I always quoting her? Joke. Her lyrics are really good. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) I got distracted. You just suddenly tell yourself, Ooh. They're the one. Don't worry if you haven't found that type of love yet. There are people out there meant to find you. And for now, the best thing you can do is provide yourself with that type of love you want to receive. So when someone passes by your life, they have to level up with that type of love you have for yourself. Find someone who cares for you so much, even if Your own care is already enough and you're self-sustaining. What are the things that hinder people from pursuing someone? A lot. A lot of factors hinder someone from pursuing people they actually like. First, we seek familiarity and comfortability in a person, which may not be always available from the other person. Another certain factor is what other people have high regard for, such as shared ideology, hobbies, religion, and even wealth. Sometimes we have to set our own non-negotiables in dating. It's a way to screen out the people we want in our lives and the people we keep. The people we let in our lives should have a nice effect or like impact on us, makes us wiser, more mature, softer, kinder, and Probably happier. Trust me, there are kind and good-looking people out there. Like for me, if I were to date someone, dapat yung kaya makipagsabayan sa akin. Mentally and emotionally. Even financially and physically. Another is intellectual connection. Which leads to easy and better communication. It's best if both of you mentally stimulates each other. Ooh, also attachment styles. I mean, both of your attachment styles should be in tune with each other. 
difference in love languages can be a hindrance too. Intimacy, boundaries, or some factors. But you know, sometimes the form of loving and pursuing someone truly and all the way can be in the form of letting go. I think this is the last question for today. Are mixed signals real or are they just figments of delusion? In my own experience, I think mixed signals is real or probably it's just because of my mental condition. I think I have a disorganized attachment style. One day I'll be texting you, the next day I will ignore you and it's nothing really personal and it still means I like this certain person. It's just one of the things I haven't healed myself from yet. I haven't healed myself from some inner child trauma. That's why it's surfacing in my relationships. There is a variety of backgrounds and upbringings people have. That's why I think it's funny. People are funny creatures. They're very unpredictable. There's probably fear of abandonment still left in me. When I like someone, I tend to ignore them or really stay away from them. And sometimes if the situation begs for an interaction, I would just be mean at the person. I don't know why I'm like that. But like the preschoolers who are mean to their crushes type of person, that is me. I have to learn to be nice to people and to actually know how to interact with people I like. But I've seen like videos where this guy says, here are five signs. Five things they do if they like you. Five things they do if they don't like you. And all that psychology tricks, whatever. So if they're giving mixed signals, we overthink whether they like us or not. But in reality, it's never about whether they like you or not. But it's about them showing how they like you or showing traits and character and exhibiting behaviors that you could actually like. The point here is, are these behaviors something I want to have in life? It's hard to always decipher a code or overanalyze every circumstance with this person. And the ending would be us forgetting our worth. We decipher where we stand in their relationship and our role in their lives. But yeah, again, let's judge whether we want them in our lives by what they are showing, by what they are exhibiting, not their potential or their intentions. So yeah, that's pretty much all the topics I wanted to answer here so far. Thanks for all the questions. Thank you for tuning in here in my podcast. Once again, this is Leia. And thank you for listening to the Ponder Over podcast. Bye!